Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Car Ride Conversations. This is the segment of my podcast that essentially takes place in my car. And until the end of this year's federal election in Canada, it will be exclusively dedicated to bringing you different candidates from different parties that are all running for office. My guest today is Angelo Iacono. He is the incumbent member of parliament and liberal candidate for the riding of Alfred Pellin in Laval. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Angelo. Yes, George. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Look, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, we go back a long time. We do. We go back. We go far back. <laughs> and I think, uh, I don't know if you were around. I might be a bit older than you, but uh, I was 16 when I started this. And I, uh, no, I think, no, you were not because I met Jerry a little longer uh, later after that. But uh, hey, politics has always been good to me. Uh, always giving me the opportunity to. Uh, meet a lot of people and uh, the beauty of it is that I've always liked to uh, in all of that journey is to make friends to make good alliances you know I've said that on so many other podcasts one of the things that I've taken away uh, from uh, from my journey in, in politics it's the relationships in fact that's what motivated this whole podcast to begin you know I, I didn't want to lose those relationships I, I, I felt like I was going to miss these people right yeah. so uh, it's amazing yeah, it's amazing what your involvement and the engagement uh, can do uh, but but you weren't always involved in Laval I think you were mostly uh, uh, you started at a young age in Montreal yeah so I started at uh, in Montreal with the young liberals of Canada uh, with Denis Cadao who was the uh, the the president of the young liberals and I started uh, getting involved and uh, with the Federal Liberal Party at the time and it was in my riding of uh, Papineau mm. so uh, I started under uh, the MP of André Ouellette, uh, Claude, Claude Lachance before him, after Ouellette it was uh, Pettigrew and yeah, after Pierre Pettigrew, Pettigrew yeah. it was uh, Well they, lo they lost the riding right? It was we had the, lost the, the riding to the block, yeah. yes exactly so uh, I had uh, I had a quite, a quite a very interesting journey in, in being most of the time with ministers and who were very active in the in the writing too and, uh, uh, and you know i oriented my whole education my my life to 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 doing that kind of a job one day because it all started by a field trip uh, going to ottawa to ottawa did you know from a young age that this is what i want to be doing one day this is where uh, i want to I, I think my calling came at the age of around 16 when i did a field trip to ottawa and in visiting a parliament and in seeing what was going on inside, I felt so intrigued by seeing all those mostly men at the time yeah. uh, debating and challenging each other and getting up and making comments. And I, I was so intrigued with that and went back uh, to school after that. And, you know, at the time, <laughs> I have to say, we didn't have the Internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I went and asked a librarian, you know, how do I? How do I go about getting information on what happens in the House of Commons? And uh, she geared me towards uh, the books, and I started reading up on that. And it, uh, it, uh, it, it fascinated me. You know, for me, it was like, wow. You know, and so I had to uh, make decisions on how I was going to get to that position because it's not that you go to school and you become a politician. Yeah, yeah. It, it's what you do in your life. It's about experiences. Experiences exactly. that leads you to that. And uh, so I said, you know, okay, uh, law had always been an interest to me. So I said, okay, I'll go into law school. Uh, learn how to debate, learn how to understand laws, how to make laws, how to explain them, etc. And that's what I did, you know, I geared my studies into law, 
just a bit, but it was also the other aspect. It was not just an education, but it was also about uh, environment and also about implication and, and you know, always being uh, tuned in with that goal to staying out of trouble, doing the right things, you know, no skeletons in your closet, yeah. trying to always be uh, ready to help. And uh, I have to say, I have no regrets. If I'd have to do it again, I would. Maybe one difference. I would have maybe maybe tried to run a little bit earlier. earlier. You know, I, I took the plunge when I was in uh, four years, um, 10 years ago. I would have maybe done it 15 years ago. Okay. But I guess, like somebody told me, you know, politics, going into politics, it's all a question about timing. It is timing, yes. You know, that's the right time, the right place, and the right location. And you came in with the right timing in 2015, but you had ran also in 2011. That wasn't the right timing. There was a there was an orange wave at that point that wiped the, the exactly. liberals off the map uh, in Quebec. Uh, you didn't get the result that you wanted, but you came back in 2015, you won it. Yeah. Uh, and this has been basically your first mandate. Tell me how how it's felt, finally. Your dream has come true in 2015. My, my, uh, how do you wrap your, your head around all of that? I feel uh, I feel very uh, completed, very, uh, very happy uh, uh, that I finally attained my dream and uh, uh, very, uh, very fulfilled in a sense and satisfied because I, I was able to do exactly what I wanted to do, is to make a difference in my community, to make a difference for my people, for the businesses, for the cultural clubs, for the associations, for the old age people, etc. Uh, being present. I always said that if ever I would be a, a politician, for me, it was important to be present, oh, to be on the ground. Thing, yeah. And and, and I've, I've, I've achieved that on all the grounds, to, to being present, to being uh, there for the people, to listen to the people and to try to help them. And, uh, you know, it, it's all about groundwork. You know, I started in 2009 in Laval uh, when we, the government was uh, minority government and there was always the the the, the risk of, uh, of, an, of an election coming up yeah. so I was getting ready as a 2009 for a 2010 election and it didn't happen and it went to 2011 indeed the loss was painful but it was a, a big education for me because it, it taught me uh, to be able to uh, accept defeat and to improve, and that's exactly what I did. I but never, it also it also stopped. it also gave you a good head start, right? I mean, you came back in 2015 with the experience that you had accumulated in 2011. Uh, you were no longer like a campaigning rookie. Of course, you've campaigned even from before when you were a kid, so you knew exactly what you had to do, and it all worked out in the end. Yes, because the the, to the, pre the previous election gave me all the opportunity to meet people, uh, to know the area very well. Uh, to get acquainted with uh, the infrastructures in my writing, to get acquainted also with what, are, what, are, what were the needs, to hear the people's needs, to hear the people's satisfactions. And I think that was a crucial, uh, that, that election and the, the following four years uh, being involved uh, as much as possible and, and, and still connecting with the people uh, was, was a plus because when I came back in 2015, for me, it was just a continuation. Yeah. Uh, but this time uh, being a lot more prepared, knowing where to concentrate uh, my energy. And, it, it, you know, I, I've been successful, I have to admit, because I've had I've had a very good, uh, a very good uh, family support. My wife has supported what I've done. 
Uh, my sisters have been a big help. I have one sister that takes care of all my volunteers. It's like a typical. Uh, it's so like a it, typical Italian family. It becomes it becomes a family affair. It becomes a family affair. People stop what they're affair. doing. <laughs> yes, you wake up in the morning. Let's go to the electoral that, committee. That's exactly it. We come in for nine and we leave by midnight. And you know, it's work, work, work. And uh, by ten o'clock, we just sit around and chat and recap what we've done and how we can do better. It's always about doing better. It's mm-hmm. always about getting more, uh, getting more volunteers, getting more votes, getting more uh, visibility, getting more attention from our population. It's all about presence. And I have to say, like I said, you know, family, my wife accepting all this and uh, and me always being on the ground, you know, on the ground, ready to to take that drive. Uh, I have some volunteers as yeah, you can see, that are doing door to door. And that fine. gentleman, Lelio, has been with me since 2009. You wow. see, that's what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. I, I didn't disappear after the 2011 election. I kept in touch with my volunteers, had an annual uh, volunteer get together. And, you know, that's the important, uh, you know, politics, you got to deal with people and you got to take care of the people. Yeah. And I did that with my volunteers. And I think today I feel so uh, satisfied, so comfortable, so happy because I've, I was able to keep that alive. Mm-hmm. I was able to keep the volunteers engaged with me. And I've also, I was also able to engage that commitment with my, uh, with my constituents. And uh, this is why today I feel very uh, content with the results. And uh, obviously my first four years, in government, there was a big learning curve. My, mm-hmm. I have to say my first year was a real big learning curve. Uh, even though I was very politically involved, it didn't mean I understood uh, what the MPs were always doing. Yeah, right? not you, always you have to get them. acquainted with the workings uh, in uh, government, the different committees, how it works. Uh, exactly. also, also the schedule, right? Because people don't don't realize they see you now during a campaign, you're on the ground, you're, you're knocking on doors, people get to talk to you. But, you know, you get elected, you're not here. You're traveling back and forth. And I mean, it's an enormous sacrifice uh, for the family, for the children, uh, you know? How, I have to say, how do you deal with all of that? I have to say that uh, that's one thing I didn't really realize yeah. when I was volunteering for other MPs is the time factor. Uh, it's not a nine to five. It's mm-hmm. not just a, a week, a week, a four day job. It's a seven day job. It's a full time. It's a lifetime oh, it's job. It's a full time engagement. It's a yeah, full time yeah. engagement. So I, I'm very lucky that, you know, the distance between Montreal, Laval, uh, Laval and Ottawa is very close. Yeah. So it's a two hour drive if ever I want to be back for the family, etc. But it, it's it's really a Monday to Friday job. Uh, it happens occasionally that sometimes you get to leave on the Thursday night. You don't you're not sitting on Fridays. But as of September, uh, we have to when the house is sitting, your presence is obligatory. Mm-hmm. And that goes up to December, yeah. and then it, it starts again in, in, in January up to June. So, really, uh, it's a big commitment. It's a big sacrifice for the family, and I, I have to say, I'm very lucky too that with Skype, behind you. with Skype, I oh, can Skype, yeah. I can have breakfast every morning <laughs> with my son. Yeah, that's fine. And I think that has helped, and also with my wife too, has helped to, to keep. A, a, a rhythm of life, you know, family life that uh, I'm present, uh, taking his bath at night too. I yeah. would be uh, going through the Skype. Uh, even when he lost his first, his first tooth, you know, the fairy godmother uh, uh, had to come. So what I did is I just left Ottawa that first uh, that first time he lost his tooth and was present uh, with him That's in amazing. the morning. So yeah. it's, it's to taking, uh, it's to having that mix between 
politics and family. It's to and to, to balance. Blend. You yeah. have to balance. Yes, very important. Let's talk about the riding. Obviously, you you know it very well. You've been working the ground since uh, 2009. Uh, you've you've spoken obviously to a lot of people. What are the things that that people here are mostly preoccupied by? What were the challenges for you coming in as a new MP? Uh, there, there you go. I have to say, once one of them was the presence. They weren't too uh, too uh, too keen with the past MPs. They were not too present. Okay. Uh, they hardly would see them. So that was very, that's what was one of the issues that I had to be very present. Uh, other issues that have been of interest to them was the economy, jobs, uh, the environment, uh, infrastructure. Uh, I have to say, it, it's similar to many other writings. You know, the interests. Are, are very diverse, but it all boils down to those major issues. Uh, I, I hear that uh, people want, our constituents want to see their MP. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenge we have as members of parliament is that the, 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 the thinking is that we're always in Ottawa and therefore we're never in the riding. And that has been, that has been the challenge is to reverse that thinking because when they don't see you, they automatically think you're in Ottawa. So I've had to try to to increase my presence in the writing to prove them wrong because mm -hmm. the the myth is that we're never around because we're always in Ottawa. Yeah, you come so around every four years. You come that, around every the... four years during election time, you know? So I have to say that not once did I hear, and when I hear it today, I can number the times that many people say, I've never seen you in the last four years. Well, it's obviously those people don't go out, don't attend any activities, <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. don't do anything. So, you know, with the amount of, of uh, fête de quartier that I attend, with the amount of all the activities I attend in the riding, I do café rencontres every Saturday or Sunday mornings. I do the café rencontres sometimes uh, on a Thursday or on a Friday morning when I'm in the riding. So I'm constantly reaching out to my to my population to come to see me, yeah. to contact me, to come and have a coffee and discuss what are their what are their issues, what are their preoccupations. So I've really extended myself to being present, and I've succeeded in that. That that's been like now I I get all of the comments, all of the all of the complaints for all the other levels of government because they say you're the always you're you're always the one that we see. Yeah, you're yeah. always around, so we tell you, and we think you can help. So there's that challenge too of. Uh, people don't understand the three levels of government. Oh yeah, people I don't know. grasp. I know. I know. What does a federal MP do? What does a provincial MNA does? What does a city councilor do? They mix everything up. Yeah. The most common question as as the winter comes by, it's snow, the removal. snow removal. As the snow is finished, now it becomes the the, the potholes, the potholes, the garbage. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion when it comes to that and it's it's always trying to explain to people that it's not part of my jurisdiction but yeah. I always try to do that extra effort uh, to contacting my counterparts be it at yeah. the provincial or at the municipal level to let them know that so-and-so is having uh, some challenges or yeah. some preoccupation with some issues and to try to always give that service you know our job is about giving service exactly. and, uh, and we can never just let go and say I can't help you. It's not my jurisdiction. We we try to orient them into the right direction and what steps to take or who to contact. Yeah. You know, always try to leave our constituents with a, a positive, uh, a positive thinking approach, and not just let, make them feel like they've just been let down. You know. So you you were very much affected um, with uh, the the new NAFTA trade uh, agreement because in your sector you have some steel and aluminum uh, manufacturing uh, uh, companies. 
did you reach out to these people? Were they uh, concerned at all with what was going on? Uh, of course, now it hasn't yet been uh, ratified, right, in the U.S. So what's the sentiment around all that? Where, where do people stand on that? Well, the, the illegal tariffs imposed uh, on Canada were, were a true challenge for, uh, for certain businesses in my riding. And the government south of the border uh, has been one of the most unpredictable ones. Mm. And uh, so we've, we've had to adjust to that. And what we did once these uh, illegal tariffs were imposed is we uh, quickly uh, contacted uh, the major companies that were affected by it. And companies that, I have to say, were never contacted by an MP's office. Mm -hmm. And uh, for them, it was a blessing. They couldn't believe that I was reaching out to them in trying to help them and trying to guide them and in giving them the tools uh, for them to apply in order to get this compensation. And, and you know, like I say, for every bad, there's a good. And this has, has given me the instinct to, 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 to take initiatives when it comes to bad, to bad situations that are being imposed because of our partners uh, to go forward towards the companies that are affected because sometimes they don't know where to go, what mm -hmm. to do. And that has been another challenge. A lot of people, businesses, organizations, constituents, sometimes do not know what to do, mm -hmm. how to get help, where to get help. So when you reach out to them before they're freaking out of what to do, it makes a big difference. It changes the whole dynamics. Even if we can do much, but the fact that we outreach towards them makes the difference because we were proactive. Being proactive never goes wrong. But, but here's the deal with uh, with this new NAFTA. First of all, like I said, it's, it hasn't been ratified. With the, the impeachment hearings that are starting in the U.S., chances are that it might even get uh, delayed. Uh, so there's a huge question mark. Uh, and in that agreement, I think that the U.S., uh, the, the United States has reserved the right to impose uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum if ever they notice that the, the import uh, volumes increase past whatever normal rates uh, usually uh, imports into the U.S. Are, are your businessmen here, are these factors that you have here still concerned about that? I mean, are they aware of the possibility that they may fall back into that loop? Well, uh, the, uh, yes, they're always concerned. And as I mentioned before, the American administration has been very, uh, extremely unpredictable. And look, with the old NAFTA, what did uh, the, the American administration do? They just they just did what they had to do. So who knows what they can do with the new NAFTA? Uh, we're we're in a some extent to some extent at the mercy of what our, our partners uh, can do, and we have to just be ready and stand up for for our, for our businesses. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, I think the the important uh, thing to remember here is that uh, we should never just let, put down our arms, but always be ready to stand up and to say, look. This is not right. We're going to take action. We're going to we're going to take the right measures, and it's always that collaborative approach with our, our American partners. We, we you know we can't bully them. We can't go after them. Uh, we know that very well. By fighting, is not gonna is not gonna find the solution. Is not gonna be there. So we gotta we gotta negotiate. We gotta collaborate with them. It's a give and take, and and I think our our plan, our our, our method has has brought lots of progress and. And as we can see with the compensation, with the new NAFTA, et cetera, a lot of businesses found relief. And, and I think that's the priority. And what we also do is we contact them. We, we, we want to get their feedback on what they think we should be doing. This is what that, that measure of being proactive led us to get the information of what these 
steel companies wanted us to do? How did they see it? How did they? How were they affected? And what could we undo in order for them to be less affected? What can we give them in order to have that bit of relief? So we 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 reached out to them to get their their ideas, to get their solutions. Because in the end, we as politicians, we have to try to uh, absorb what's happening around us, but we have to also try to find a solution. And that solution sometimes does not, does not always come from us, but it comes from, from the ground. The ground, yeah. exactly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your platform. Uh, you're, you're very present on the ground. What do you? What, what is it in, in the platform that seems to be resonating the most with, uh, with your citizens? The environment. The environment is becoming more and more uh, of, a, of a popular matter, as we can see since the debate last week. Uh, I have to say the environment, uh, even with the old age people, I've visited about four old age clubs and the environment is, is important. What, what environment, what society are we leaving your kids uh, has become a big preoccupation. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the population is not aware or does not quite understand uh, what's, what's happening, what's being done, what actions our government has taken. And we're, we're, we're trying to explain to them, we're trying to, to inform them that as a government, uh, we uh, in the last four years have taken much more action than any other government has ever done in the last 35 years. So, it, it, you know, and explaining to them, look, you know, we, we've invested in, uh, in green infrastructures, we've invested in, uh, in uh, electric, 100% electricity, uh, electrical buses, be it in Laval, be it in Montreal. We've initiated with these uh, $5,000 credits for people to buy electric cars. Uh, so we, we're, 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 re, we're being transparent and you know we, we've we've initiated with with a plan to, to start growing to start planting trees so we're being proactive and I think what the population is looking for is assurance there's assurance that we're taking action is that and that we're taking this this matter into our hands and, and, and to find a solution that is going to be concrete a solution that is also going to be functioning because we can have a solution and it's only going to be in functioning in 20 30 40 50 years is not any better so we need concrete fast measures are they are they um are they questioning at all the purchase of the pipeline when it comes to the pipeline they're a bit confused but when i explain to them that how are we going to progress in fighting climate change with what money mm -hmm. and i say to them what if we cut your pension? What if your pension all of a sudden gets stopped because we need the money that we're giving to you in order to fight climate change? Like, look at it this way. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to cut your pension. We don't want to affect your pension, but we have to take the climate change into our hands. So how are we going to do it? Well, the government has followed the Norwegian uh, example where uh, by creating this pipeline, by having this pipeline bring out funds because we're going to be transporting oil the funds that we in the funds that are coming out of the pipeline are going to be automatically invested into the into fighting climate change so that every dollar that's invested in a pipeline we get 15 dollars that is injected into the environment fight so they start to understand it uh that way and i think they're they're content you know yes we admit pipelines do pollute mm -hmm. but what what solution do we have and where do we go get the funds to fight climate change? It's also about getting our resources to market, right? Which, you know, there's not a million, there's not a million ways to do so. Um, you obviously saw the debate uh, that happened this week. There were a few hot points during that debate, uh, hot topics. One of them was uh, Bill 21, which seemed to, 
you know, for which uh, most of the, the leaders took their gloves off. You know, and, and I've mentioned this with a lot of the, the, the other candidates that have been on the podcast. It seems as though the campaign started and everybody was a little bit touchy. Let's not touch that. You know, how do we how do we address it? Uh, you know, it's a provincial government. They were elected under that platform to bring uh, to, you know, to pass this bill. They passed it. Uh, and then suddenly Justin Trudeau seems to be leaving the door wide open. He's the only one from the leaders that seems to uh, actively want to contest it. At least that's what he's suggesting. We don't know. I mean, the campaign, there's still roughly two weeks left. I don't know if he's going to come out adamantly against it. But for now, the door is open. Um, you have a lot of young families. There's a lot of new immigrants coming and living in your in your area uh, here in Laval. Is this something that keeps coming up? Uh, yes, Bill 21 does resonate in my writing. Uh, people have something to say about it, that it's positive or that it's negative, because nobody is indifferent to it. Uh, I think it's important to respect the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, but it is also too early to come out and, and, and conclude what will be the outcome. I'd rather wait for the courts to come out and decide. Mm -hmm. And we know very well that Canada, that our Liberal government has always been one to fight against injustice when it comes to rights and freedoms. Mm -hmm. We can choose today which rights, which freedoms are good today and which rights or freedoms are not good tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So obviously, for example, when it came to the language rights, French language in Ontario, what did the federal government do? Yeah. The federal liberal government. We got up, we stood up and we went, we fought for it. And look what happened in Ontario. Now we're going to have a French university, a total 100% French university is going to be built. The Ford, the Ford provincial government, what did they do with all the French services? They cut them. They cut all the French services. And that's what the conservative government is going to do. If, if they get into power, they're going to be cutting services. They're going to be cutting especially the French services because you need money to, 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 to be invested in this in order for our communities to have services being bilingual. So. I think when it comes to to Bill 21, we'll have to wait to see what the provincial courts have to say. Uh, and from there, I think our government is going to react in the right positive way because we, in our hearts and in our minds, we're always going to protect the rights and freedoms of all Canadians. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. I know that you have a very busy day. Uh, I was looking at your writing and just, you know, the weird way that our brains are wired and I noticed that it's a it's a very it's a very volatile writing in terms of its partisanship and its support. This is a writing that has been in the hands of pretty much every major party. Uh, you know, the Liberals had it. They went to the Conservatives with a with a Mulroney wave in Quebec. Then it, for a long time, it was considered a stronghold for the Bloc Québécois. That went away with the wave of the of the NDP, and then you came in with the Liberal wave and took it away. Um, are you at all concerned that there's this? It seems there seems to be like this pocket of 20 to 25 percent of your vote that just keeps swinging according to the trend. And you know th these elections started, and nobody really was expecting the Bloc Québécois to do anything. But uh, it's impressive to see how Yves François Blanchet has really brought the party back to life to the point where they're nearing 30 percent in Quebec. Uh, is is that at all worrying? Uh, how are you strategizing? Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not too concerned because you know, like I said, uh, I, I've been on the ground for the last ten years. Uh, in the last, in the previous election, the 2011 election, it was really an orange wave. 
uh, the ground work was not done by the NDP for it to continue into a second mandate and become uh, uh, and re-become opposition or become government. Uh, the Liberal Party has always been grounded, has always been a strong national party. And I think that made the big difference. Uh, so, so 2015, uh, we saw that uh, Canadians uh, invested in us. We've delivered. We've delivered. Canadian uh, experts have said that we have delivered on most of our promises, up to 92 percent. It's, it's never been. It's never. It's never been so high for any other government. Yeah, but it, to it, deliver it, on it, its promises. It did come at a cost, though, right? Seventy it, billion. <laughs> yes, it did come at a cost. But let, we have to also admit that in the last ten years under the Conservative government, we lost a lot of ground. We lost a lot of services. Infrastructures were just abandoned. Uh, everything was just forgotten. Uh, so uh, just like any business, you know, just like any business, uh, when a business wants to expand, when a business wants to automize itself, when a business wants to go international, it has to invest and thus therefore has to create a, somewhat of a deficit in order to take that jump. This is what Canada is doing. Uh, yes, we, we are in a deficit, but look, we've created over one million jobs. Uh, poverty for kids is at its lowest. We are, we've helped so many families with the Canada Allowance. Uh, you know, this is really uplifted quite a bit. When I hear families, when I knock on the doors and I hear families, because of that family allowance, it's permitted my child to attend certain sports, certain 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 activities. It's helped us have more money and more food on the table. It's helped us. It's helped us to invest into a small home. It's helped us into buy a car. It's helped us into buying a television. You know, I I've heard it from all different families with all different conclusions of what they were able to acquire or achieve because of that lump sum that is not imposed so it makes a big difference i think investing in canadians we can't go wrong because in return canadians are going to invest back into the government and you know all this creation of jobs what is that doing it's going to create more people paying into the system so there's going to be a comeback you know obviously yes it may seem at first to be very very large sums of funds that have to be injected but there's going to be a return and i think that's what we have to look at that there's going to be prosperity uh that's going to be flourishing sooner or later uh let's close it up any last messages you want to send out to the people uh in your writing or anyone else uh listening or watching well i can only say to my constituents uh, since i was elected i stood up for my writing uh for alfred Pella, for my constituents for the businesses for the organizations and I will continue to do so. I keep choosing forward because it is the only direction that we can go towards. We don't want to go back and go to austerity. We want to continue on this prosperity road. And don't forget to go out to vote. It's very important. It's a vote for you, but more importantly, it's a vote for the future generations, for our kids. You know, when we, we are so concerned with the environment, then it's a priority, it's a must that we should go out and and cast our, our vote because this is what's going to make the big difference for Canadians. So I thank you all for listening to George and I. It was a pleasure, and thank you, George, for for this invitation. It was uh, it was fun to just have this relaxing uh, drive in my riding and seeing my volunteers and <laughs> seeing some constituents that are uh, cleaning their their grasses. We got we got proof that they're actually doing their work. <laughs> yes, we, we, we got saw proof. them in action. <laughs> we saw them in action, and I I was able to say hello to some of them. So uh, it gave me the opportunity to have a relaxing ride and. Uh, and uh, I'll be back on uh, on track with uh, doors and phones and uh, et cetera. 
because I, I love doing this work. I, I love, love you doing this, uh, this door to door and uh, meeting the people and hearing out the people. And, you know, it, it, it's being very present. I appreciate your time and good luck with everything. I'll be following very closely. Thank you very much, George. <laughs> Thank you.